It's me again. Now, 25 more minutes of announcements. No, I'll try to slip in a couple announcements as we go through, just so you feel comfortable with this experience, so you know what's going on. All right, well, welcome to week two of the Grace Effect series. We are really glad that you are here today. When we were going through and um, deciding um, who was gonna get to speak on these different books, I like immediately shotgunned Ephesians, like quicker than your kids try to shotgun the front seat of the car. I was like, yo, that one's mine, because this is such an amazing book. It's, it has everything um, in it that I love. I don't know if you're supposed to have favorite books of the Bible, but I really, really enjoy this one. Um, and you'll see as we go through it why, if you know my personality, you know that I love um, being part of a team. I love um, God and his grace and how he works and builds us all together. And those are some things that we find in Ephesians 2. And so we are going to um, jump into it. Um, a little bit of, of history. Last week, Pastor Corey um, spoke to Ephesians 1, so you'll see that there's a lot of things um, that coincide, like it was one big letter written to the same people. Um, but all, a lot of this will all coincide, and so I'm going to reference a couple of things he said. Um, did y'all enjoy Pastor Corey's message last week? It was really good, right? You look at him and you wonder if he's going to say anything smart, and then he does, right? Oh, he's in here. I was looking for him in the sound booth, and he wasn't there. Sorry, it's true though, right? Anyway, it was, it was really good. Um, he's, and like he said, you know, this is a letter from Paul to the church at Ephesus. And, um, and this book is, is specifically speaking uh, to the Gentiles who are, who are living in that area. And so um, I said, it's just, it's so awesome. I hope that you're excited because I'm excited to be talking about it today. So um, we're just gonna jump in in verse one because that's always a good place to start. Okay, it says, it wasn't so long ago that you were mirrored in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. Oh, we're, all we're back to boats. Anyone enjoy, anyone enjoy that series? All in the same boat, all of us together. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an, with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all of this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus our Messiah. Y'all feel free to be verbally involved with this conversation because that is good. He set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Are you thankful that he picked you up and put you down in highest heaven with him this morning? Oh, that is good. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for your word that tells us, that reiterates to us the love that you have for us, your immense mercy, the incredible love that you have for us. God, that you did all on your own with no help from us. God, I thank you for that grace, the grace that you have given us. God, as we look at your word today, I pray that you would speak to your people. God, I pray that you would make it clear the things um, that your people need to know today. God, we pray for the Braves as they play the Marlins, Lord, that you would take them and set them in highest ranking with you, Lord. And it's in your name we pray. Everybody said, 
you pray for what you need, they need the help. So, <laughs> right? Yes, I love it. He knows. He knows it's true. So, I said, so a, a wonderful start this chapter. We look at things that echo so much in all of our, in all of our lives, the grace that God has given us. I said, where he's taking us, taken us from and where he is putting us. So, let's read on in verse 7. It says, so God can point to us all the, in all the future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Jesus Christ so we can do the good things he has planned for us all along. I love that it says it's not a reward for the good things um, that we have done. It's a gift. Like Pastor Corey said last week, um, it's not sit through a lecture and get a free timeshare free. Like everyone knows that type of free. Like the people that try to hand you stuff in the middle of the mall, like the kiosk people that are trying to give you something, um, like that you know, like you're going to try to like straighten my hair or show me a watch or something. Like not that type of free. It is really free. It is there. It is available to you and it's available to me. There is nothing else that we have to do for it. What I love about that is that it also means um, that you can't substitute it. You cannot line up enough parade floats to get any more grace. You cannot purchase any more backpacks for underprivileged kids in our county to accumulate any more grace. Please do those things. We want you to do those things. But those things are things that we do in response to grace. Those are things that we do because we've experienced God's grace in our life. We've experienced um, him giving us direction in our lives. We've experienced his grace in those areas. We felt that love and compassion. And out of that, we just can't help but dish out more love and more compassion to other people. It's, that it's totally a response to the grace that he's given us. And we, we can't, again, accumulate any more by anything else that we do. Um, and as I was thinking through this and just what grace looks like, um, grace looks different at different points in our life, doesn't it? Um, when you're a kid, do we have any, um, any church camp kids? Any church camp kids? A couple? A couple around that you do church camp kids? Um, church looks different. Grace looks different than it, than it did when you, when you were when you were a church camp kid. I, I look at the stories that some people, that I, that I heard over the years um, of people, different evangelists and speakers that they would bring into camp, and they had some amazing, redeeming grace stories. You know, these people that God just brought them back from some deep, deep, dark places, broken homes with drug addictions and all sorts of things that I think, man, I, I haven't ever known darkness like that. And I am so, so grateful. Um, and I know that they would be too, that, that God was able to redeem them from a deep, deep, dark place. Again, that redeeming grace of God, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Many of you in this room may have experienced that redeeming grace of God that brings us back from the things that we've experienced. And then and honestly, as, as a teenager, I thought, well, 
I haven't done anything that bad yet. So I guess I'll just wait till I get older and make bad decisions. And then like God's grace will save me and then I'll have a testimony. Like, and I know that that sounds really dumb, but I, I really truly thought that, that God can't use me, this church kid. I don't have a testimony that can help anybody else know about God or his grace because, you know, I just, you know, what is, what, what is, I lied one time and stole a cookie and, I did steal lemon heads from a gas station once, and Barbara Graves never found out, and so don't tell her. Then I'm just like, you know, God's going to save me from stealing lemon heads from the gas station, you know? And, but that is what I thought, is that I have to do something big and bad to receive grace from God so that I can help any, you know, anybody else learn from this testimony. Um, and then I learned about the um, prevenient grace of God. I had to look to, to see if I said that right. Prevenient grace of God. And so that is such a neat, you know, the redeeming grace of God is so big and miraculous and amazing. And that is what I thought was like the most impressive. And then I learned about the prevenient grace of God, which I, again, I think is just as amazing. And that's when it's kind of what God can save you from having to experience. And that's, honestly, that's where I see the most grace in my life. The period of time that I spent away from God, those deep, dark hours, I think was extremely small, (laughs) for lack of a better word, because of the prevenient grace of God in my life, from the grace that my mother prayed over me, the things that God kept me from, and especially young people hear me, the thing, the power that God has to keep you from things, the power that his grace has to keep you from those things is just as powerful as anything he can keep you or that he can bring you back from. Because honestly, let me tell you, the world is stacked against you. The game has been rigged. Like those things are almost sure to happen to you. The pits are many and you will fall into them. But wow, the power that, of what God can keep you from is just as strong and just as amazing as anything he can bring you back from. So as I was reading through this, I started thinking, well, what are the different types of grace that I've seen through life? And those are some things that I thought about. And I also thought about how grace isn't always this like wonderful, like flowing, beautiful honey and this middle. And it's just, you know what I mean? It's just like all very pretty when I think of the word grace and these pictures I have of grace. Sometimes grace comes in some kind of pain, not painful, but uncomfortable ways. Um, Again, teenagers, like sometimes grace comes in the form of your parent. I may know you may not think that, but God has graced you with, with parents who love you and care about you. They've graced you with a parent who won't let you take your laptop into your room and shut the door, who will check your phone history because, not because they're trying to be mean people, but because they care about you. And that grace from God in the form of a parent will keep you from developing a porn addiction, which will rob you from intimacy in your relationship with your future spouse. It may look like grace to you at this particular moment, but that is the prevenient grace of God. Um, I th- and I said, there's just so many, th- parents are, you have so much grace. I don't have any kids because I'm trying to develop enough grace to try to not kill a child. And so eventually maybe I'll get there. Um, but p- so parents are just so, you're so much a, a picture of God's grace in children's lives as you protect them. Um, Coming up on August, every second service of August, we're having a parenting class. Again, here's your announcement so you'll feel comfortable. Um, so anytime during the month of August, you can come during second service and we'll have a parenting class. Um, 
And so I said, that's a, a picture of grace. Um, that breakup that you went through with the person who you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with, that may not look like grace, but sometimes that person was starting to take the place of God in your life. That person was becoming that idol and you needed that person out of your life so you could have a relationship with him. That is painful as he works those things out in your life, but sometimes that's the grace of God that removes things that aren't him from being your priority. Um, we, Tom and I have a friend who got into a motorcycle accident and he lost these fingers, like from here down on these fingers. Um, and he had to sell his motorcycle because he couldn't reach the clutch. Isn't that sad? The kid was going to kill himself on his motorcycle because he did 120 miles an hour down the interstate weaving in and out between people. And he was going to leave his wife a widow and his son fatherless. Now, I'm not, don't, don't take that wrong. God didn't cause him to lose his fingers. But like Pastor Corey said last week, things that happen that are outside of God's plan, but he can make everything work according to his plan. And I truly believe that that kid would have killed himself if it weren't for the grace of God who worked out that situation so that, like I said, so his wife has a husband and his child grows out with a father. The grace of God, again, has so many different elements, so many different, um, it looks so many different ways. And I was reading through here, I've just been so thankful for how his grace has looked at different points in my life. And I hope that you will take time to look back in your life and say, what did grace look like at different points in my life, and what is he trying to speak to me about grace today? So let's go on into verse um, 11, and we'll keep on working through here. It says, but don't take any of this for granted. It was only yesterday that you outsiders to God's ways had no idea of any of this, didn't know the first thing about the way God works, hadn't the faintest idea of Christ. You knew nothing of the rich history of God's covenants and promises in Israel, hadn't a clue about what God was doing at the world at large. Now, because of Christ dying that death, shedding that blood, you who were once out of it altogether are in on everything. Don't you love how God evens the playing field? No matter if this is your first time ever stepping into a church building or if you've been doing church for years and years and years, if you have accepted Christ, the grace that he has for you, you have a relationship with Jesus, the playing field is level. We are all together and in on everything. Yeah, you go ahead, say amen one more time, all together, so I feel that you are alive with me today. Amen. Verse 14, the Messiah has made things up between us so, we're, that, so that we now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders, he tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. And remember that because we're going to come back to that wall. He repealed the law code that had, had, that had become so clogged with fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everyone. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. 
a beautiful picture of how two different types of people, people who knew all there was to know about, about history and religion and people who were new on it all together. He brought everyone together and is working everything for his good and for building his church. So as we go through this, we see how Paul continues the idea that, that they are. They're all together in Christ. Every, the teams have been conjoined. There are, you know, everyone is working towards the same goal. Um, and he's speaking this so much that when he talks about tearing down the wall um, that separates the Jews from the, from the non-Jews, the Jews from the Gentiles, it, it wasn't a, a metaphor. Um, in the temple at that point at the Mount of Jerusalem, there was a four-and-a-half-foot wall um, that people, the non-Jews, were not allowed to cross, that they weren't allowed to go beyond. And because beyond that was temple and holy holies, all this other, all these other wonderful, holy, pure things, which is great. But there was this, this wall, and they weren't allowed to go beyond it. In fact, there was a sign that hung there that said, um, you know, don't go beyond this if you're not Jewish. And if you do, you're going to die, and it's your own fault, basically. I don't think it was worded quite like that. But it was pretty much what it said. It was, you know, you're, you're on your own. Um, sign your waiver because you're going to die, and we don't want to be responsible for it. Um, and so is there, a, I think I have a picture. Um, so this is a picture of the, the middle part is where we were talking about. That's where they can't go. And there's this little wall around it. I was looking for a better picture. And then I remembered that cameras in 17 AD were not like super up to snuff. So this is what we got. Um, so this four and a half foot wall is what they see. So you can imagine you've, um, you've climbed the mountain. You've come into the temple that was built. As a Gentile, you're walking in here, and you're walking around church. So I guess maybe we'll think of this as the foyer, maybe. And now there's this wall, and you can't go behind it. This is a place for everyone who's pure and holy, and you are, you are out there. You, that, this is where you go. This is where everyone else is. And I can't imagine in this time walking into church and still feeling like you weren't good enough. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine coming into church and seeing a wall that said, we're glad you're here, but stay out there because there's something else here and it's not for you. But aren't you thankful for the grace of God that knocked down that wall and says, we're all welcome. You accept his grace and now all of this is available to you. All of who he is is available. We just have to move past that wall. Oh, yes! Oh, thank you, Jesus. It is such a beautiful picture that Paul is painting here that says, don't forget that there is grace for you. I know for a long time there's been a wall there, but don't forget there is grace there. I feel like a lot of times in our lives, the wall has been knocked down, but we come back into church like it's still up. We've, we've had things in our lives that we've struggled with that God has graced that we can move past. That so we come into church like there's still a wall here. We go through life like there's a wall between him and us. That there's a wall between him and us and his presence. But there's not. Paul reminds them the wall is, has been taken down. You are good enough. I can't imagine. I pray, pray that we are never a church where people walk in and they feel like they're not good enough. I can't imagine people to come into church and feel like they're not good enough. 
I pray that we are the people, we continue as we grow, that we continue to be people who will say, when people come in who are, maybe they don't have that grace of God in their lives yet, maybe they haven't accepted it, I pray that we are never people who won't extend grace to the people who God died to give grace to. Can we be that place that says there's no walls here? That remember that he tore down the walls that we use to keep each other at a distance. And he started over. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It is good. You're no longer slaves to sin. You are a child of God in this place. Oh, I love it. I wasn't in my notes. That's okay. It was good. I liked it. All right, so I don't know where you're feeling today. He tore down the wall. Oh, that's where I, I knew I forgot something. He tore down the wall. Imagine, I imagine that there, just the rubble of the wall that's been torn down. And from that rubble, he's getting ready to build his church. And that's where we're going to go. We're going to start in 19. But imagine that, those walls knocked down. And from that, here's where we go. It says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer, oh, I just sorry. Yeah, you're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building his home. He's using all of us, irrespective of how we got here and what he's building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now that holds all parts in open. Now he's using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all parts together. We see it taking shape day after day. Listen, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Can we be the temple he's building where God is quite at home? I hope that that is said of us, that this is where God feels at home. This is where he feels that his presence is free. This is where he feels like it's more him than it is us. That's what I hope this place can be. So in looking at, at this, looking at how, what it's saying, that he's using all of us, irregardless of how we got here, irregardless of who brought you, who invited you, if you saw the flags, if you got an invite card, if you were somewhere downtown, where you were before, where you lived before, irregardless, you're here, and if you're here, he's using you. He, you belong here. Did anyone see the, past, the video of Pastor Corey trying to bring the baptism tank in this week? If you didn't, the videos on Facebook, he, um, it was his, his process of how to get the baptismal tank into the church building by himself. It was, it was pretty funny. And it ended with, you belong here. And you do. And I, and I felt this very strongly as I was reading through this um, and studying this week. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know how many times. This may be your first time here. You could have been here for a long time. Maybe you've been here a couple of weeks and you're trying to decide whether or not momentum is the place for you. I know this is a bold statement, but I feel like God wants me to tell you that you belong here. That this is a place where he's going to tear down the walls in your life and he's going to rebuild whatever it is within you that needs to be rebuilt. And then he's going to use you in this place to build his temple. And so I don't, I don't know where you are or what that means to you, but I feel like you need to hear that today that someone told you you didn't belong somewhere else, 
I don't know where in your life someone told you you didn't belong, but you belong here. And I hope that you will. I hope you'll be part of what he's building. It's like it says, he's building us, fitting you in, stone by stone and brick by brick. Um, This sound is going to make some of you cringe, probably those of you um, who have small children. Y'all recognize that sound? (laughs) That's everyone who has stepped on a Lego before went, oh, someone was telling me that, um, I don't know if they, if it was, they saw it post somewhere or where it was, but they, um, the doctor asked the kid, okay, so where from one to I stepped on a Lego did it hurt on the pain scale, which I thought was cute. That's a good way for me to understand it. So when I thought about building, I first thought was magnetiles. Do any of your kids have those magnetiles that like clip to, <laughs> they disappear quickly, I hear. Um, they're they are um, expensive, and so I didn't bring one for each of you. Um, I thought about using them today, and then I ended up using these because these just prove such a really good point. Um, yes, prove a point. When we think of Lego pieces, they all look a little different, right? Different colors, different shapes. This one has like a thousand little sticky things on it. Um, this one's... This one's got like a NASCAR theme on it. I don't know where this came from. Oops, that one's trying to roll off the table. Um, some are kind of really thin. Some of them are little. These are our little Momentum Kids Legos. Aren't they a little cute? Little, little, little baby Legos. This one's a corner piece. Um, this one's a little, oh, look at it. It's a little window. Ugh. So when I think of it, that God, these are probably all from different random sets. God is building us together. Um, this one has a little eyeball on it. I don't know what that came from. Um, we had weird Lego sets, apparently. He's building us all together. Just like I'm looking here and strategically picking a piece that's going to fit, God is p- choosing you, and he's building you into this place that he is going to call home. He's, going, he's building you into a place where he will be pleased Um, which, again, is just so beautiful to me that the same way that I'm strategically picking pieces that are going to stack together, the Lord is strategically choosing you with the giftings and the talents that you have to, to make this place a place where he can be found and where other people can experience Christ, um, where he can be brought glory, because don't we know that that, that is our purpose in life, plain and simple, is to know him and bring him glory. So if we're not doing that, really, what are we doing? Um, this one's got a weird little little edge piece. We'll suit that guy in there. He's cute, too. Um, so as we're building this strategically, piece by piece, stone by stone, putting it together, that it builds a nice little funky-looking tower with a creepy little eye and a window in the middle of it. Isn't that cute? Um, as I'm looking, I'm like, man, that is so neat. Strategically made and placed. Um, and, I, and I do. I hope that as, as he's building us, that he is, that he is, he's pleased with what he finds and pleased with what he sees. Um, and as I was playing with these, I remember that sometimes when you, you build Legos and you build them all up and it gets really high, when it gets jostled, it'll, it'll fall over. Sometimes when my illustrations work, right, it falls over. I made it too sturdy. I think it's the window. 
You know what I mean? Like over time, if this is shaken, it's going to continue to fall over because it's not based in anything. There is no ground in what, in this structure. When we have the foundation of Christ, he's this nice little green area here, then it, then it won't. When we, put, when we add him to the mix, if it's built on that foundation, like, he, like it said, when, if he is the cornerstone, when we move this, we all shift together. But it takes having the same direction. It takes having the same endpoint. It takes all wanting to be a place where God can call home. Because if we work in different directions, we're going to continue to topple. When hard times come and go, because don't you know, just because we're in this church building, hard times are going to come. Like, I hate to tell you, but you're going to rub elbows with the people that you serve with. You're going to rub elbows with people um, that attend here. But can I just say that extend grace to those people, because God extended a lot of grace for you. And then we may even get a little, a little tree in here, a little cute little tree little car, parks out front, I don't know, a door, we'll fit, we'll fit that guy in there somewhere, a little door, I guess I should have some steps, I was really going to build a door, I didn't think that went through very well, there we go, anyway, you get the idea, piece by piece, stone by stone, God is building his church, and he's building it from the rubble that happens when we let those walls fall, when we accept that grace, he can build something amazing, he can build a place where he can be found. This doesn't just a bunch of fun people that come together and have good church, though we have some good church in here. Where he is well pleased. And that's important because again, he has picked you strategically, but it takes us responding accordingly, I guess you could say. Because if for this to stand, for the building that he has created, the temple that he is building for himself that he can be pleased in, we have to rely on each other. This is going to, you pick whichever one you want, whichever color you want to be. Um, I'll, I'll be this yellow one. In order for, for this brick to exist within this temple he's built, I have to rely on people and I have to support people. And that's, that's, our, that's what we have to do. If we want to be people he's using to build his temple, we have to learn to rely on others for accountability, for growth. We have to rely on other people to be there, which takes us putting down our pride sometimes and letting other people speak into our lives, to be led in a direction that we need to be led in, to serve under leadership we need to serve under. But it also takes us supporting other people in our lives. It takes us being here and being available. It takes us committing time. It takes us committing effort into ministry. Aren't you, aren't you thankful for people in Momentum Kids who are watching your kids right now, they have committed to ministry. We need, I don't even know what color those people would be. Like those are amazing. They should be gold. We make the little gold Legos for those gold-hearted people that serve. But don't you know they do? They serve, where are our little, they serve a little Momentum Kid Legos. We'll put them right there on top. There we go. And if you don't think that kids are part of the ministry of Momentum Church, you are 
far, far off, those kids are learning some amazing things about the power of God. And again, I hope that they discover God's grace quick in their lives. I hope we can be people who have prayed that preventative grace of God over their lives. That's another whole sermon altogether. I hope that wherever you are in life today, that you're either at a place where that wall is still up, that you keep coming back and for some reason, I don't know what it may be, you've let, you haven't let grace tear that down. You haven't let God come in and tear that wall down, bring his grace and let that crumble in your life. Today is a really good day to do that if you haven't. And if you have already, then I hope that you will take that step to let him build you in to what he's doing, to what he, he's doing here. Because God isn't building little pillars. He's building a temple. And you will miss out. He said, again, you're going to go to heaven. It'll be great. We'll see you there. But you don't get to be part of what he's doing, this temple that he is building that we can all be a part of. And truly, I think, I, I hate it because I know that I'll miss out on it. He has gifted you specifically with gifts and talents that only you have. He wants you to be a part of it, and I hope that you will. Over the next couple of weeks, next week you'll see him out in the lobby, and the week after we're doing Team Connect on the 17th. Find a way where you can let God build you in. Because he's gonna build his temple. He's gonna build his church. His name's gonna be known, and I want us to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of it. So I don't know, again, where you are today, but I want you to leave here knowing that you belong to God, and you belong to a family here. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much for your grace. God, I thank you for your grace that doesn't just allow us to enter your presence, but it allows us to be people who embody your presence. God, I pray that as my friends go throughout these next days and the next weeks of their lives, God, you would help them to tear down the walls in their life that are keeping them from you. God, and as you do that, God, I pray you would find us as people who are ready to build your temple. God, people who you are bringing together stone by stone and brick by brick, I pray that you would help us surrender our lives for your use. God, and as we do, God, I pray your name is made bigger than any of ours. God, that you will forever be bigger than Momentum Church. You will ever be bigger than our individual lives. God, and that you would find glory here. God, I pray that you would find this place to be. God, our hearts and this church, a place that you are quite at home. In your name we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.